millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible Resistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. The following is a presentation of the Force Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this is the Force Center podcast feed, and this particular episode is Cues of the Force. That is, questions, but shorter. Cues of the Force. I'm Joseph Scrimshaw. I'm Ken Napsuck. So happy to be here to answer all the cues of the Force and of the galaxy. Yeah, and I like how we just say cues. The A's are implied, but someday maybe we'll do a fun episode where we just ask questions and then just say, and moving on, no answers, just questions. <laughs> for fun sometimes the way life is uh but in this podcast you get answers too what a bonus we also want to let you know that as always 
Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. You can get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash forcecenter. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. This week, we are recommending Padawan by Kirsten White. It is an adventure of very young Obi-Wan Kenobi. I've only read the first few pages, but I enjoyed them, and I'm looking forward to diving in even more. If you want to give it a listen, you can download your free audiobook today by going to audibletrial.com slash forcecenter. One more time, audibletrial.com. Four Center free audio book. I broke down like a robot there, Ken. Uh, uh, have you uh, poked at the at the book Padawan at all? Uh, I poked at it in the sense of I, I put it right there on my coffee table and I and I, I looked at it and went, yep, going to read you next. <laughs> so Obi-Wan is just staring at you with those piercing eyes on the cover artwork. <laughs> he is. He is. Young, beautiful Obi-Wan just staring back at me while I read uh, Princess of the Scoundrel. <laughs> it really is like Obi-Wan is like, okay, I got my lightsaber ignited on this cover. I am staring through your soul. Make time for me. I understand you're reading about Han and Leia, but mm. make time for me too. And we will. Uh, but for now, we're going to get into our cues, our questions. We go first to Twitter. And we take two questions from listeners there. We're going to Ethan Truman. Ethan has a wonderful conversation that we kind of talked around a little bit when we were discussing uh, the great duels of Revenge of the Sith. But this is an opportunity to dive in. Ethan says, we as fans talk about Vader and Anakin as two people in times where Anakin comes through. I brush up against this because he's always Anakin. He's deluded himself into believing otherwise, but he's the same guy. Do we give him too much slack by saying, oh, that's Vader, not Anakin? This is really fun, really interesting. Ken, what's your big picture reaction to this? Are you in the general camp of like, they are the same person? Or do you perceive that there's some reality where there are two different beings? Uh, look, I think... I think uh, I'm part of the problem, Ethan. So um, I'll address <laughs> it from that. No, um, I think this is a great point that forces me to think about uh, kind of clarity in my own clarity in the discussion. I have been a big fan and I am a big user of Anakin versus Vader. This is the ultimate fight um, because it, to me, it's just a simple and direct way to, to show, kind of discuss the war going on inside him. And that's something I really attribute to the modern era of Star Wars. Uh, not that this wasn't there before particularly uh, at the end of Revenge of the Sith, but it just seems more clear since 2014. There's things like, one of my favorite things is the, um, I think that Chuck Wendig uh, Vader annual had him going to the Petronaki arena and having visions of his past. And it's just really clear. But yes, I, I want to be clear. It, it is the same person. And I personally never want to want them to seem, uh, see, see, any part of that discussion seemed like an excuse mm. for uh, his actions at any point, right? Which is, I think is what the great point of uh, behind Ethan's question here or his comment of just like, Hey, 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 he did that stuff. And it, it, it's not like the emperor or not like he kills the emperor and then pulls off his mask and goes, whoa, finally. So sorry. That Vader guy was doing all that bad stuff. Did you see that guy? Did you see that guy? <laughs> not me. Innocent of charges. Uh, but I, but I just really do see it as a battle that we all have inside of us. Uh, the choice of light, choice of light versus dark and, and, and all the actions are mine, you know, but the steps I sometimes uh, take in life to fill the desires of a different version of me, both in good ways and bad ways. Sometimes uh, hitting a stand-up stage after meek Ken can't win, performance <laughs> Ken has to win. Like that's kind of that's kind of what I've always gravitated uh, towards it there. And I, I think final point for me here, Joseph, as we continue the discussion, I think perhaps Anakin Anakin himself has felt the weight of this. That maybe there was too many times that he wanted to make a better choice or change, but then he was like, I don't know, Vader got the jump on me, and what you gonna do? 
Mm-hmm. Um, I, I lost this round. And I, I, so I think, Ethan, Ethan that's another uh, great part of this question that you have is maybe maybe Anakin or maybe Vader. <laughs> the, the, the different versions of him is, is fallen victim to this as well. Yeah, no, I love these thoughts. Um, and I really agree with Ethan. I think for myself, in my own definition, understanding, uh, Vader and Anakin are one and the same. It is the same person making different choices. Um, But I think there is a power in discussing it that way. Uh, I love what you said about meet Ken versus performance Ken. Like uh, Mm -hmm. some of the reasons why I I really like to perform is I sometimes just kind of like feel more fully myself the day after I perform of just that like reminder Mm -hmm. of like, uh, here's who I can be, you know, you know, performance is kind of a a way to push past uh, fear and to remind yourself of your own sort of uh, vitality, your connection. Uh, There's a flow between you and other human beings. And like, I sometimes, you know, say I feel more like fully myself after performing. And then, you know, eh, the the stresses of the world and the doubts and this not feeling as connected, uh, you know, seep in. And, you know, I, I could give a name to that, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like you did with a uh, meek and, and what, what was, what was uh, other Ken meek Ken and performance Ken. Yeah. Basically yeah. when I hit the stand up stage, I'm often the awkward nerd from seventh grade who doesn't feel like he belongs. And that's that character wins a lot. <laughs> yeah. And I think it is a, a normal thing that we all have some level uh, of, uh, you know, a public face and a private face, which, mm-hmm. you know, usually when you say that people are like, what mask are you wearing? But I think, yeah, it's an agreement with us of like, we, we are totally in this one space when we are alone or just like alone with our closest loved ones that we live with. And then, uh, we, we transform into the social version of ourselves, right? Extrovert, mm-hmm. introvert, you know, a little bit as normal, <laughs> which that doesn't quite map on Vader and Anakin. <laughs> yeah. He's just yeah. being extrovert Anakin, you know, going yeah. around the galaxy and torturing people. That's not what I'm saying. Um, <laughs> I think to get back to to the Star Wars of it, it's really fun to talk about that real life stuff and that our personal experiences with performance, because I think to me, it opens the door to understanding how somebody might kind of uh, use it as a metaphor or use it as a coping mechanism mm. to label different parts of themselves. Yeah. But I think we in the fandom end up talking about them like they're two different beings right anakin won anakin came back when he threw uh yeah. uh palpatine down the shaft right um but i think for myself the way i choose to interpret uh the stories is we as is the audience talk about it a lot like that because we've heard the characters talk about it like that mm-hmm. but i think vader versus anakin we hear as a metaphor and we hear as a coping mechanism i yeah. think specifically from Vader's perspective, it is a truth he clings to that, in my opinion, isn't true. I think Vader needs to say to himself, all those bad things that happened to Anakin, that wasn't my failure. I didn't fail. Uh, I was this weak, brainwashed Jedi named Anakin. He failed, mm-hmm. and I destroyed that weak failure, and I am Vader, and I am strong, you know, and yeah. I didn't fail, uh, and I won't fail, you know. Um, so I think we hear that from Vader. Uh, We certainly have moments in live action shows, uh, going back to return of the Jedi, that name no longer holds any meaning to me to Mm -hmm. the recent Kenobi show where he's like, you know, I killed him. Uh, really speaking as two different beings, the rebels scene, uh, with Ahsoka, I really do like Mm -hmm. in the, uh, Thrawn novel, uh, where he, I believe it's, it's the the second one, Thrawn alliances in in the first Thrawn trilogy, um, where we go back and forth between Anakin and Vader timeline, 
And Vader thinks through everything Anakin experienced. He has access to all those memories, but just refers to Anakin as the Jedi, right? He's just an other, uh, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, so he's really, in all this various storytelling of Vader, we can see that this is, uh, it's not a metaphor. <laughs> it's a coping mechanism to believe that they're two separate beings. Uh, yeah. But then also, I think a lot of our language around this comes from Obi-Wan Kenobi. And I think from Obi-Wan. Yes, yes, yes. I think it's a metaphor. I think it's a way to cope, right? I mean, this is how the whole uh, what I told you was true from a certain point of view emerges is the discussion of is uh, Luke's uh, father alive? And I think Kenobi is talking more in terms of a metaphor, Why? right? It's, it's a way to express how completely and fundamentally changed Anakin has become by choosing the dark side, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it, I think it's this way to say like he has made a choice that is so awful and so extreme and so his own choice, there's no getting through to him. I can't talk him out of being the person that he has made the choice to be. He has labeled himself Vader and this person that I knew as Anakin, who I could maybe reason with, is not accessible to me. But I don't think it's from Kenobi's perspective that it is like there are two separate beings and poor innocent Anakin you know, isn't responsible, right? I think it's yeah. a metaphor. It's a way to express mm-hmm. someone who is once decent, loving, reachable, has become totally unreachable. You cannot reason with them. And I think a lot of us sadly have experienced times in our lives where, you know, uh, somebody we care about ha- has made a choice and, and you know it's not a good choice for them and, and there's nothing you can do. You can't reach them. They have to want to change, you know? Yeah. Uh, well said, indeed, and, and I think a lot of it does start with Kenobi. I was going to joke and blame him, but that's not fair. A lot of people <laughs> blame Kenobi for too much, I think. But yeah, that conversation has been in, in the fandom for a long time, just kind of the way he, he viewed it, the way he explained it to Luke. Uh, I think it's really effective. You mentioned the the Ahsoka moment in Rebels. Uh, that's when I like when I talk about like the modern era. There's stuff there. There's stuff there in Lords of the Sith, Paulus Kemp's book, where mm-hmm. I just kind of feel. And and you're right. I think that some of um, um, uh, Thrawn's best work actually is that Alliance's novel and just the, the way uh, Vader felt the force, felt everything and, and just kind of dealt with, uh, you said coping. I love that term of, of Vader failing to cope properly. I think is what's going on inside <laughs> him. All the way up to the Kenobi uh, series, the finale. I, I think you're absolutely right. It all kind of tracks and it's all the kind of the way you do it. And uh, But I think going back to, yeah, to the Ethan's original point. Yeah, yeah I would, I personally, because I feel I'm, I'm someone who, Says it a lot in bar conversations. Well, you know, there's a war going on inside him between Vader and Anakin. Uh, doesn't make uh, Anakin innocent of anything that uh, Vader has done. Yeah, and, and it isn't like a flip switch. He had one bad day, right? Mm-hmm. We get to spend lots of great time with Anakin in the Clone Wars animated series and even in, you know, Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones, obviously, uh, where we see that he has this great, great caring, this great kindness, this great desire to, to help people and to bond with people and to be empathetic to the clones and understand them. And we see all these wonderful traits, but we also can see how uh, fear related to these wonderful traits can get him to slide toward this. So like there, there are a lot of Vader moments in Anakin, you know? And so for me, it really does become about Star Wars is about choices, uh, about the choices you make are, are who you become. And, you know, Anakin makes these choices that that cause himself to label himself as Vader. Um, I think there's also uh, another part of this is this storytelling that there's a general Jedi understanding that once you go down that dark side, 
you don't come back. Um, mm-hmm. I think we're seeing some playing with that in the understanding of that in the High Republic. Uh, it seems like the Jedi have an understanding of like, well, people make mistakes. And if you make a mistake and immediately go, I tapped into the dark side, uh, uh, that was wrong. I don't ever want to do that again. How can I heal? How can I rebuild? Uh, that's one thing. But if you're like, I declare I'm Sith, <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm in. Uh, the, the general Jedi perspective is that, well, there's no coming back for that. Um, and that's kind of the story of the original trilogy where Luke has a, a level of of hope and insight that maybe maybe Yoda has, maybe Obi-Wan Kenobi has, maybe not. But they do say it multiple times in, in the Skywalker saga of like, no, he's Yoda says the, the boy you trained is gone, right? Um, mm-hmm. So we do hear this from Yoda as well, but I don't think it's, you know, Yoda doesn't say uh, the boy you trained is locked inside the monster, you know? Yeah. It, it, to me, it is... It is a dramatic, mythic way to speak about making uh, a choice that is, you know, that you're unwilling to come back from. Yeah. Yeah. Great purpose behind it. Um, Yeah. And we don't want to give him too much slack. So Anakin, no more slack. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. This is really fun to talk through and think through. Um, But yeah, I think we're on the same page as Ethan at the end of the day, not two separate beings. Uh, I think uh, Darth Vader is just really bad choices. Anakin Skywalker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I would like a Darth Vader action figure labeled that way. Yes. Yes. <laughs> All right. Any other thoughts on that one, Ken? Uh, no, great stuff. And I, and I love, uh, you know, sometimes when I first saw this question, I felt, I felt a little guilty. I was like, oh, maybe Ethan's talking to me. I've been doing this, but, you know, uh, good to explain it. Good to get into it. Yeah. Yeah. No, it is. It is. Uh, all right. We are going to get into a question from Michael Gibbons. Michael asks on Twitter, if you had to choose, who do you think is the better villain, Vader or Palpatine? As a kid, I always found the Emperor scarier and now find him the more intriguing. But to me, Vader feels more nuanced. Ooh, the differences between Vader and Palpatine as villains. We're staying in the dark side. Uh, Ken, do you uh, do you find yourself having a personal favorite how do you differentiate them where do you go with this man i love thoughts on vader round two this would be a great uh, <laughs> debate if you we, if we were a debate show right who's the better villain vader or <laughs> great question michael uh so i i'll, I'll answer directly i i think and, and to your question joseph do i have a favorite yeah uh, palpatine palpatine's the better villain to me because he is the villain that's all caps the mm-hmm. villain and he serves such an important purpose in the Star Wars story. I think you and I always joke. We we joke. We talk about uh, the Palpatine. We love Palpatine. We love his lines. We love Ian McDiarmid. But we're always kind of like, hey, that, you know, doesn't mean we hope. Uh, we we wish for the time that he he uh, defeated Ray and Kylo and won the day. Mm-hmm. We're, not, we're not thinking about that. But I think he is a true villain. And 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 I kind of agree with Michael's take on on Vader being a little bit more nuanced. Just look what we were discussing bef- before. And and. Um, Vader was the villain or maybe even the better villain in the 1980s because he was the villain of the series. Palpatine shows up late in the game uh, in the eighth inning to play some uh, couple couple innings there. But um, if, uh, there was I don't know if I've ever told you the story. There's one time in my uh, my old church back in the 80s, the pastor spoke about Darth Vader and showed a shadowy image of his helmet to all the congregation <laughs> to talk about society's obsession with the bad guys. I don't I don't know if that was right, uh, but I was in the I was in the pews there going, cool, Darth Vader. Um, <laughs> but I think that's a little bit why George went back to tell the rest of the tale. Right. That's a little bit of like, yeah, maybe you guys all missed the point. Um, and and so Vader remains a villainous character to me. See what we were just discussing about with these questions. But I do think the prequels helped uh, 
serves uh, George's kind of, hey, it's a tragedy vibe and how someone good can fall to the bad side. And I would have loved, I would love to actually that pastor to uh, revisit his sermon in the mid 2000s after that whole story was, was told. But all that to say, I, I do stick with, with Sheev. He is evil and evil never wants to let go. And that's what he represents. And that's why I think he is, quote unquote, the better villain. Yeah, no, I mean, the the better villain, like, ultimately, yes, at the end of the day, because I think Palpatine is 100% committed. So if we're talking about villains in, in terms of who is, at the end of the day, the most villainous, uh, Vader is a sad, tragic pawn who made bad choices of his own volition to become a pawn, not letting him off the hook. But he's he's a pawn who's been manipulated into making these horrible choices. Uh, maybe that was true of Palpatine uh, when he first uh, joined the dark side. I know we have some kind of details with that in the old Darth Plagueis novel that's now Legends. Um, but I just, I love that uh, both Vader and Palpatine show us different kinds of villainy, right? Uh, at this point in the story, Vader is really complex because we've seen the tragedy he's experienced, right? We've got to see him as a young kid. We've got to see him get all this great advice from his mom that he should have tried to really hold on to a little bit better, you know? Mm -hmm. But then we've seen like, yeah, the Jedi aren't at their best. They aren't, you know, welcoming. They aren't warm. They make him feel isolated and alienated. They open the opportunity for Palpatine uh, to manipulate him. We see how successful and skilled Palpatine is at manipulating him so uh you know we can understand in his tragedy right while still holding him responsible for his choices so there's like that one end of his life that we know and then at the other end of his life we know that he makes that better choice and sacrifices himself uh uh for luke and and for the galaxy and that he dies wanting his daughter to know that he at least made one better choice uh, at the end of his life and that there was there was good in him right so then that makes automatically makes any of these uh, many amazing stories that we see uh in the comic books in the obi-wan kenobi show in rebels anywhere in between really fascinating because it, it's like every moment with vader is this like am i gonna see a spark you always talk about the Anakin's in there and there's a war, right? Uh, we just talked about this. Um, but I think it makes him really compelling because you're always, you you see him being awful, right? Uh, so awful, it's it's cool in a, in a cool villain. Wow, he's a really powerful way. And then also this really sad, like, but it's sad that you are this way. You are a sad, lonely, trapped, haunted figure, you know? Um, and can you, can you come back from it? Yeah. I don't think I was ever rooting for him to make, uh, great choices in the eighties, but I think once the whole story <laughs> plays out, I'm always behind it now. I get it. And, and, and I, I don't, I keep going back to the original conversation. I, 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 I know sometimes people can, um, get, uh, held up a little bit on, on a lot of the horrible things that Vader did and everything. But I, I think the, the complete co picture adds to that nuance and add, and it, it absolutely changed. It absolutely worked. And, you know, um, that's why it's fun to boo Palpatine still. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I mean, I think we're, we're talking around a lot of the, the Vader and the villainy stuff of like, I still enjoy seeing Vader be a really terrifying villain. I love to yep. see him, you know, uh, abuse his his power um, because it is a fun space fantasy story. But I also just really enjoy Vader as a cautionary tale. And mm -hmm. I think the, the thing for me, the line for villains is like, uh, you shouldn't want to be them. <laughs> yeah it's fine if they're cool it's fine if you collect a million uh action figures as far as i'm concerned uh because yeah. otherwise i'd have a problem 
It's just that crossing into. And they were right. And I want to be like that. Then, yeah. Yeah. And I think that's uh, maybe maybe would be frustrating for George Lucas to hear. Yeah. You know, when someone here, I, I want more Sith lore. I think that's that's great. But I, I you know. Why? Why? What do you want it to add to the story? What do you want it to, to tell the story to just one small example of it? But yeah, absolutely. And again, this is what George was like. I don't know. Maybe y'all got it wrong. Let me go back and try something. Yeah. Let me get really clear with this shot of him looking on his horror as his mask seals him in that <laughs> yeah. this is not a fun way to be. Uh, yeah. And I think Palpatine is to me, he's equally complex, but in a completely different way. Right. Because there mm-hmm. isn't a sympathetic entry point to his story i choose to believe that at some point he had some fear that he gave into and he you know started his path on the dark side and he never looked back mm-hmm. <laughs> and he's not going to but what i really love about palpatine is a villain and i've said this before but just how he uh he demonstrates the extremes right there's yes a part of his villainy in particularly in the prequel era, that is very real life evil, right? It is a rich, selfish, power hungry, manipulative liar, right? It's somebody who specifically tempts others by kind of whispering this poison that everybody is selfish and power hungry and out for themselves. Uh, you know, and if somebody tells you they care, they're lying. Everybody is is playing the game. You're like, and that's a kind of real world cynicism that that happens and it's so what he uses on anakin like i loved his tone of voice in the uh in the opera box scene mm. where he's like anakin because it's so yeah. it's so the tone of voice where like you you try to say like i really believe this person means what they say and somebody's like joseph no they don't <laughs> you know uh yeah maybe sometimes maybe sometimes there is optimism or naivete or whatever but it's that so that full perspective of and I, there's nothing wrong with what I'm doing because I'm just doing it better. I'm just everybody's awful. I'm just doing it better than everybody. Uh, what, what were you going to say? No, I, I think I like the idea that there's there is some nuance to to his evil, right? That that he is the big bad. He's over the top. He's lightning. He's lightning sheath. But even even in, in Return of the Jedi, just the way it's played, I think you're right. It really it, it's so evil because it's so real. I, again, what George is sitting down in the seventies to write a story of a, you know, post Nixon Vietnam era, right? He's like still playing with the, the real, the realities of that. So I think you're writing all the way up to the prequel stuff too. Uh, it continues to work. Even, even rise Skywalker, he is, he's is the biggest he is in, in, in all, you know, and in, in, in on Exegol, but even then like, Oh, my granddaughter, this is going to be great. <laughs> Come on in here. Yeah. I think it's all. Yeah. It still has to. Has to lie, yeah. My grandchild, come home. Like, oh, he's so scary. Yeah, and, and I think just in terms of enjoying this, the space fantasy of it, like, yeah, Vader, particularly when we didn't know his backstory uh, when we grew up in the 80s. And, uh, mm-hmm. it, you know, I guess we, we kind of knew some of it and got to see a little bit of uh, Anakin's kind face there under the mask, but still a little bit of this mysterious, amazing, iconic figure. Uh, I just love that Palpatine is like, yeah, a politician in fancy robes. And then ends up just the most, forget the space, pretty much just fantasy, right? (laughs) Just an early Disney film, just a dark wizard in robes with danger fingers. That's so (laughs) fascinating to me. Danger fingers. Love that. Love Palpatine's danger fingers. So not surprisingly, Michael, uh, we like them both, but for different reasons. Yeah. Uh, Any other thoughts on uh, Vader and Palpatine as villains? No, I just need to add more figures to my collection of these wonderful 
very warm characters. <laughs> exactly. I need to get that Darth Vader uh, figure that's labeled Darth Vader, the dark times. All right, we're going to take a quick break and we will be right back with two questions from our patrons on Patreon. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you Everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less in similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. And we are back with more cues of the force. We go now to patron Michael McCarcel. Michael says, 
Hello, Force Center friends. I don't have a question, but I'm in need of some good old Star Wars counseling. I'm tired of the fall of the Jedi. The Jedi and weird Force stuff are my favorite part of Star Wars. I absolutely understand and appreciate the importance of everything involved with the fall of the Jedi, but it's getting overwhelming. The prequels and the Clone Wars, the original trilogy era, all the way to the sequel era, all involve either their fall or dealing with the aftermath of it. When the High Republic was first announced, it seemed like a chance to have stories not so focused on the downfall of the Jedi, but as it's unfolded, it's been shown that we're seeing the beginning of the end. I'm loving the High Republic overall, but it's focused on the further mistakes the Jedi is just feeling like too much. I don't want to sound naive. I'm certain it was never all sunshine and rainbows, but there had to be a point at which things were far more right for the Jedi, a point when they were earning the trust and respect of the galaxy and becoming the guardians they were said to be. I'm hopeful that one day, the storytelling will go even further back and we'll see the focus shift to their rise. Thanks for putting up with my rambling and I'm grateful for any advice you offer. Hope you're all doing well and may the force be with you. Uh, no rambling, Michael. You're making your point uh, clearly and eloquently. Thank you so much for the fascinating question. Ken, where do you go with this? Man, I love this. No, and, and I, uh, Michael, is uh, he also is a regular of my music show where I decided to call him Detective McCarcel because it just seems like what his name sounds like. <laughs> uh, no, I, I really feel this and I understand it. I, I love analyzing the fall, the long drawn out fall as it is, and a lot of especially the High Republic stuff. Um, uh, I think that's just where not only great life lessons to be found, but a little bit of the of the conflict that you might want to to put into your stories and all that kind of you know technical storytelling stuff. But I'm, I'm all for it. But as time goes on, uh, I, I get where Michael's coming from. I feel it, and honestly, this goes goes back to some. I'm going to underline some of the Last Jedi discussions. I think I want to be very clear. Not only I love that movie and love Luke in that movie, I think there's a lot of bad faith discussion around that movie still, and I think there's also some just misunderstanding of of the bigger Star Wars story. But putting that on the shelf because, well, we've had years of that. There, I do understand. I do understand with some folks. Just maybe I don't know if this is totally specific to, to Michael's thoughts here, but. Wanting the so-called good guys, not wanting to see them go through bad times. And that's not inherently bad to want that. Um, Luke throw down, throws down the blade and returns a Jedi and then becomes a Jedi. And, and the day is one. And, and now he's out there uh, struggling and maybe not saving the day. I think there's great value to that again. But I understand the overall um, idea behind just wanting to maybe see a hero be a hero. Um, I just, I don't know. I, I um, And then we follow that up with other like, high Republicans. We spend a lot of time. Just kind of showing the bad side of these good people in, in the storytelling and other areas, the the prequels as well, and and, and I think Joseph, that might lead to a gross misinterpretation of the storytelling. Not for Michael, mm-hmm. but general Star Wars zeitgeist. Uh, the Jedi became, uh, or and the Jedi become only what half the story is showing: pompous, presumptuous, dogmatic police, wizards sticking their noses in everyone's business, and this causes you and others and me to follow, standing up and saying, "We need some justice for the Jedi." Right? <laughs> yes. So yeah, no. Point, yeah, but final point. I'm sorry, I know, kick it back. I, mm-hmm. Yes, I, Michael, I, I want, I want to see the rise of the Jedi. Uh, let's do it. Maybe let's go back in time to do it. Let's see the ideas that began to build them be tested. Sure, but confirmed. Let's see how those beliefs and, and the tenets positively affect the galaxy, uh, and even those around the Jedi in a more intimate storytelling fashion. Not just the Ahsokas or Luke later on, but I'm talking the Order itself. Here's what we believe. Here's why it's working, and here's why we're going to be it. I'd be for that. Yeah, absolutely. And I do think that there is room to misinterpret, in my opinion, 
the the role of the Jedi. I always think that the Jedi are trying very hard to reach a lofty goal to find balance to say we have this power and therefore we have a responsibility to use it to help people and to hold back unnatural darkness. Uh, but we also don't want to be grabbing for power. We don't want to be intervening where we don't feel like it is our place to intervene. So we're going to walk this fine, fine balance. They have this lofty goal. And when you have a really lofty goal like that, you're going to trip. And I think for me, what the High Republic is showing is that not only are, are, does the Jedi go, do the Jedi go through that as an, as an organization, as an institution, but every individual Jedi uh, is doing a tightrope walk at all times, mm-hmm. trying to find their balance, trying to find their peace, trying to deal with their own anxieties, trying to forgive themselves for missteps, trying to recenter their relationship with their force and the galaxy and, and all those things. And that's what's really compelling to them about me is they, they fall and they stumble, but they are always getting up and always striving to hit this, mm-hmm. this lofty, perfect balance. Um, and I would love to see more stories celebrating that. Um, I love The Last Jedi and I love The Rise of Skywalker. And in general, I am a fan of uh, having a lighter touch and letting and trusting your audience. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but The Last Jedi is 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 really good at questioning the Jedi and then comes up at the end heroically with Luke, uh, you know, reaffirming the Jedi by taking action and by, mm. you know, saying it as a positive thing that he will not be the last Jedi cut to Ray lifting those rocks to help other people to be a symbol of hope. Last Jedi Edda ends with uh, kids who have no hope seeing the Jedi as a symbol of hope. And then rise of Skywalker. Luke is yes, of course the Jedi need to continue. And if you analyze the actions it all tracks of if the Jedi, if one of their key goals is to be there when, literal hate and anger is is lashing out to consume the galaxy and to be the 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 figure that stands between the hate and the rest of the galaxy that's literally physically what ray does so mm-hmm. <laughs> it should be clear but i wonder sometimes if um a little bit more philosophy of the jedi a little bit more of luke asserting that you know hey you stumbled ray Every, we all do on our path but your heart is true. He does say that, but like, but this is why the Jedi are needed. You know, Uh, Mm -hmm. I I think some more clear storytelling. And again, I think rise of Skywalker is clear in the actions, but maybe it doesn't resonate for everybody. Um, But some more, more storytelling that zeroed in on, you know, let's, let's reaffirm that the Jedi matter and let's reaffirm uh, moments where they shine and make a difference. Mm -hmm. Um, So, that that's my, my knee jerk emotional reaction. I really agree. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, re, I really agree with Michael, and I really look for within these stories of dealing with uh, th- the fall of the Jedi and individual challenges of the Jedi. Of I really look for those moments of of hope where they reconnect to their purpose. My big picture thing that I want to uh, uh, pitch back to you here, Ken, is mm. I think some of this is caused by we mostly have stories that are about eras. There are individual characters and individual Jedi that we follow uh, in the stories of the eras, but the scope is where are the Jedi at in this era? And I think you can pick any Jedi era, even like the depth of the Clone Wars. And if we had some more individual stories about this Jedi and their Padawan went to this place and made these people's lives so much better. And if we had a few more individual stories of 
Jedi triumph. I think it, it might address a little bit of what Michael's talking about because we do have those stories in the High Republic, but the whole High Republic project is the era. Ooh, I love that pitch. I'm on board, and I understand what you're saying. Like uh, the era thing, and and maybe going back to what Michael was pitching too, where the High Republic comes out, it, it, just even the designs before the novels hit, it was like, ooh, wait, the height of the power, right? Ooh, Jedi fired on all cylinders, and then it goes not a different direction. I think it really analyzes how we get to, you know, Phantom Menace from there, all those kind of things that I, I, I'm there for. I'm really behind complicated characters like Elzar Mann, who, who's trying to figure his way, his way out through the galaxy. But I love what you're pitching. Uh, essentially, Joseph, uh, if I may, just this idea of just you know, breaking it down a little, little bit more. I don't the idea that uh, there could have been a um, you know creation of the Jedi kind of story back in the day. I go to that of just allowing to, mm. to look at it on a smaller level, uh, as well as the order being established. That's again, that's a big thing, and that would be an era thing. But who are the individuals that kind of? Hey, you know, and I don't, is it just Prime Jedi, uh, Jedi Prime there on, uh, you know, Octo? Who was like, here's here's what I'm feeling, here's what's going on, here's what's working, and 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 uh, we can confirm this um, through fires, through challenges, but uh, we come out on the other side better for it, and uh, just have a different vibe to it. I, I think maybe if I'm being, if I'm being clear, trying to attach it to what Michael's saying. Yeah, and I think by the end of the High Republic, uh, I think we are definitely going to see, like, after this entire conflict with the Nile, a, an amount of cynicism and fear is going to sneak into the Jedi, and I think they're going to get a little bit more rigid and, and cling to their rules, and, and we're going to see how that leads into a little bit of the stagnation uh, uh, in being set in their ways that we see in the prequel era. I definitely think we're going that way. As we're looking at phase two, phase two is already kind of promised of like, wow, the Jedi upset some different cultures. So yeah. I am not in any way disagreeing with Michael that there's plenty in the High Republic that is uh, forcing you to, to question the Jedi in a big picture. I'm also just really loving the High Republic because I feel like it's a snapshot of this is the Jedi at their height. And at any point in the Jedi, there's going to be an Elzar man who missteps and tries. Mm -hmm. uh, and they're going to be... Uh, you know, people like Avar Chris, like that that beginning, that light of the Jedi, like that's the Jedi at their height, right? To yeah. come together to selflessly do something that is that seems impossible, but through their power, through their connection to their force, through their kindness, through their willingness to sacrifice, they're they're literally moving worlds almost, you know, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. to do the right thing. And I think that seeing so many Jedi all at once in the High Republic in even though I agree with Michael that there are these, there's definitely storytelling threads about the era that are about the overall decline or, or big picture mistakes. I love seeing that some Jedi are really struggling, making mistakes. And then some Jedi who have a ton of anxiety that they're going to screw up, don't screw up, right? Mm -hmm. They push past it. And I have such high hopes for it, it, kind of the younger Jedi, <laughs> you know, yeah. Vanestra, Reith, Bell, uh, some of my favorites who I feel like we're seeing have moments of just absolute, you know, triumph in a situation of saving people or they are really tempted to give up or to, you know, give into their fear and they get, they push past it. There are lots of those individual moments of triumph. And, and when I'm feeling uh, like Michael is, I really try to focus on, on that. It's not, you know, Mm -hmm. Not everything is defined by the big picture. The big picture certainly matters, but all the, you know, one-on-one -on -one choices, the one-on-one -on -one human interactions matter. Um, mm -hmm. and, and I think that's the other place I go with that of like, I love the High Republic that there are all these, you can point to all these moments of, of triumph, of justice for the Jedi. Um, 
And I like looking at those moments in these stories. I feel like even though the Obi-Wan Kenobi television show happens in arguably one of the darkest points of the timeline, it is really about uh, the triumphant return to Jedi values for Obi-Wan. I think Rey's victory over her fear and anger in The Rise of Skywalker is a, is a Jedi triumph. I really, really want stories of, of Luke's life and school uh, in between mm-hmm. uh, the original trilogy and the sequel trilogy. Because I think, you know, Luke says, you know, in for a long time, there was balance. Yeah. Anakin's spirit says to Rey, you know, restore the balance like I did. I think that there was many, many wonderful Jedi victories where Luke... Jedi Master Luke Skywalker and his young trained Jedi made a difference and helped people. And I think it would it would be great to hear those stories. Yeah, yeah, it absolutely would. And I love point out your point out what is there, because I think it, it can be out there in that Star Wars fandom, that zeitgeist that the, a lot of the conversations might center around what Luke said in act two of last Jedi, right? You, you and I always joke, even off air, if like, did you finish watching the movie? Uh, and again, I always want to clarify, not talking to Michael or anyone asks these wonderful questions or prompts. We're just kind of mm-hmm. looking into the general conversation. I think a lot of it is. Yeah. 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 The Jedi, even Luke said the Jedi should die. I'm like, did you get up from the theater and just walk out at that point? Was that, was that the last thing? Um, it was yeah. good, Luke. See ya. See ya. <laughs> see ya. That trailer said it, but even you see that with Kylo. Well, well, last Jedi was about killing the past. Was it? Did you, did you watch it or did you see the trailer and listen to some, some YouTube channels after that? So yeah, no, I, I think it's a great stuff. It gets me, it gets me thinking, uh, uh, about the Jedi and even, um, how I used to joke with my friend back in 2002. Well, you know, the Jedi, the bad guy in the galaxy, uh, bad guys. It's not right. That's not right. It's not the overall picture. They make mistakes. Uh, they are, uh, they're, uh, you know, fallible like like all institutions and that's part of the lesson there so let's celebrate the victories and maybe highlight even more of those yeah yeah but i'd really i would really really uh i really agree with michael i would take some storytelling i would love his mm-hmm. books an animated show where, where it is luke's jedi temple and and some jedi struggle they they stumble they make mistakes but in general it's a story of uh heroes helping people uh because i think that is meant to be the idea of the Jedi. And I think a few more uh, bits of storytelling where that is the sort of undeniable (laughs) focus and result. I would be all for much like Michael. Yeah. Love that. All right. Any other thoughts on that before we move on to our final question? No, a lot of Jedi thoughts. Love it. Okay. Yeah. I I could, I could go on and on about the Jedi. I love the weird force stuff too, Michael, but we're going to go now to a very fun question from Patrick McMullen. Uh, Patrick says, the more I rewatch the original trilogy, the more I realize R2 and 3PO have become my two favorite characters. One of my favorite Star Wars moments is R2 and 3PO arguing over Princess Leia's flooded Echo Base quarters on Hoth. The pair provide so many awesome moments on screen, but I love the idea of their droid shenanigans that we don't see. If I could fantasy HasLab anything, it would be a vintage collection playset of R2 and 3PO Dealing with the flooded quarters. <laughs> if anything was possible, what wacky, weird, wild action figure sets would you want? Thanks for all the great Force Center shows. Oh, Ken, I'm going to have to contain myself. Uh, what are your thoughts on uh, the wacky, wild uh, vintage collection play sets you might want? Yeah, first of all, well, I'm going to go back a bit. Patrick, we would be having a great conversation if this was a hotel lobby bar. We would be laughing and joking because <laughs> I love that little detail. I will say this, that little 3PR2 moment is actually one of the reasons Star Wars Ranked exists back in the day. I wanted to list Star Wars' biggest unanswered questions. 
with a kind of a wink, wink, nudge, nudge, fun kind of vibe. And this was going to be number one, which, by the way, Joseph, we have not done that episode. So maybe years later, we will. we'll finally do it. Uh, and my appreciation over the years has definitely uh, grown with those droids. Um, all the way to point, I, 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 Rise of Skywalker, like getting misty eyed when 3PO gets so much to do and so much respect, particularly from Ray. So mm-hmm. for the wacky and weird wild HasLab sets. Uh, I feel I'm, I'm, I'm stealing one from yours, so I'm just going to say it quickly, and hopefully you can uh, expand on it. Um, the, the, I call it the circus set from the Clone Wars, the circus performers, all that stuff, <laughs> which is some of the you know uh, stuff that initially I was like, I don't know if I love, but redoing the Clone Wars rewatch, I just, I just love everything about it. It's so weird and wild, and I, I, I would support that. Um, Ewoks on Bright Tree Village cooking Han, like a detailed <laughs> six-inch scale Han on the spit, Luke trapped, all that stuff. You know, you'd have uh, a row of uh, our heroes on spits, Leia in the uh, the Ewok dress. Um, you know, you could pl- do that scene. There's a Lego version of it, I think. You can get Bright Tree Village. You can get the Ewok Village set in, in the Kenner days. But a detailed, takes up all my living room set. Um, be there. So, and then I, I submit one other honorable mention, the Gamorrean Guard wrestling scene from Mando. Ooh, that's a really good one. That, and, and the Mando stuff is so popular that that seems like a good prediction. <laughs> prediction, right? And then uh, talk about the kind of the, the taller, thinner fighting Gamorreans there. But my real answer, come on, it, it's Kenobi and Dexter in the diner. Do it, you cowards. <laughs> oh, that would be absolutely great. It could come with a Hermione Bagwai action mm-hmm. figure, one of the my treasured characters, because they're not weird. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Waitress. Hey, look at just that. a diner waitress straight up oh man that would be great those are some absolutely great picks i, I love this whole question but I-, I do love that exchange it's it's one of those moments uh, star wars is full of them i think empire strikes back in particular is full of them these just little moments that make your imagination fire <laughs> and it's yep. so fun to imagine uh leia's quarters uh, as an action figure playset that floods is this like one of those play sets in like the 90s and 2000s where you have like a, a goo that you can use to flood it? <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, that's a that's a way back. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, a couple of them. This isn't it, it's kind of wacky and weird and wild, but it's my real answer of what I really want is the Sith Arena on Exegol. Uh, and I think it would you could either come with uh, hundreds of cultist action figures or those could be like little uh, painted backdrop. Yep, yep. <laughs> but you got all you got Empire hanging the Emperor hanging from a hook. You got him with the uh, restored. I used your life energy to make a cool robe costume. You got a Ben Solo. Ah, ah, ah. The, the, the bliss goes on and on with that one. Uh, some sillier ones, though. That one is a little silly. Uh, but uh, I would love Kenobi's cave and or hut. It, it could be his famous Ooh. hut full of junk, uh, but I would love a Kenobi's cave and it would come, of course, with Tika. It would come with the little toy T-16 Skyhopper. Uh, but most importantly, it would come with a uh, work from home Kenobi yeah. <laughs> uh, with a depressed sitting action. That moment where he just sits there. Uh, maybe you'd have like a little place that where you could put him on his bed and then you could kind of like, there'd be a little screen that you could open before him that had like flashes of his bad dreams. <laughs> you could just toggle through his bad dreams. <laughs> I love everything about that. You get you, Tika selling wares, slippers, yep, yep. Kenobi yeah. slippers maybe. I don't know. Yeah. You get call to action bail uh, mm. where he's there in person. He showed up and he's like, come on, come on. Uh, a couple more. Uh, Padme's apartment. 
Um, Ooh. I'm just, uh, just an epic playset, right? Because I'm just fascinated by the, the different uh, sections of it, how we get to see so much of it in Attack of Clones and Revenge of the Sith. And then we spent a decent amount of time with it in the Clone Wars. So if you yeah. had Padme's apartment, you could have all sorts of different Padmes. You could have the little uh, Cahoon creatures uh, that attack her. You could have a shattering glass that you could throw Obi-Wan through. Uh, you could mm-hmm. have, you know, the uh, Anakin Padme uh, on the balcony, uh, hair combing scene figures. Uh, you could go to the Clone Wars and you could have a uh, battle damage rough rush Clovis after Anakin beats him up. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Dark, but yes. <laughs> Who doesn't want battle damage rush Clovis, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah, so uh, that's a big one. And then my my final two are Mm -hmm. performance-based. I I would love uh, The Sanctuary, right? Uh, Mm -hmm. So many cool characters you could get in there, including my beloved astromech drummer. Uh, Mm -hmm. But the sort of imagined space that we've never seen is, uh, I don't know what it looks like on uh, on Dryden Voss's yacht, the first flight there, but I bet Lilo Pramok has a green room. Where he gets ready, and I would love to see that. Because you you could do it like there was like old playsets back in the day where like you could flip a little like dial and like you'd get you know the the back backstage and front stage <laughs> type of front of the stage. Uh, so yeah, have him and um, the whole party scene, and then you flip it around and it's his dressing room. Yeah, yeah, and uh, Rodia Ventifoli, I believe, yeah. is a singing compatriot. So man, yeah. so many options. This would also be a good rank someday. Uh, but mm-hmm. great, very fun question, Patrick. I can't wait to see. What the next actual has lab is, uh, Ken? Any final thoughts on this one? Uh, no more thoughts. I've I've yet to uh, actually uh, support a has lab thing because if I do, the end result is I get an item I can't fit into my storage or living room. So, <laughs> not there yet. But I I absolutely uh, would support any of these dream ones. I have no idea what you're talking about. As I have to actively step around the razor crest in my living room on a day to day basis, I I, I can't relate. Uh, anyway, those are our questions. Thank you uh, to everyone. Thank you, Patrick. Thank you, Michael. Thank you, Michael and Ethan. Uh, if you are uh, a listener on Twitter, you can go to our, our main uh, Twitter page there. It is our uh, pinned tweet uh, to ask for questions. So you can offer them there. If you're a patron on Patreon, we have so many great questions. It's going to take us a while to get to them. But if you have new ones, feel free to add them and we'll, we'll keep this post going for a while. And finally, uh, we do have our Power of the Light Side segment that we do sometimes here on uh, the Questions of the Force episode. Uh, if you are a patron on Patreon, there is a post. Uh, just uh, scroll down a little bit asking for Power of the Light Side submissions. It's just anything about Star Wars that you have uh, that has helped you, that has been a positive moment, something you enjoy. It can be something fun and light. It can be something uh, deep and real. Whatever you want to share uh, that's helped celebrate the power of the light side of Star Wars, feel free to send in those submissions. Ken, where can people find us? Hey, we are the Force Center Podcast feed. We can be found on Twitter at Force Center Pod. Our Facebook page is Force Center Podcast. We're uh, also on Instagram and YouTube. Thanks to all those who watched our live Q&A episode. It's up. If you missed it, you can watch it over there. Podcasts available in a lot of different spots. Acast, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, and more. Merch available at tpublic.com slash user slash Force Center. And you can support us directly at patreon.com slash Force Center. You can follow me at Cadnapsock or uh, go to my website, cadnapsock.com, the link to other things I do, like my music show where Detective McCarcel is often in chat <laughs> on Rock and Radio on Mixcloud. Joseph, where can they find and uh, celebrate all your work? Yeah, yeah. But before I talk about myself, I do just want to like echo the YouTube thing because I've been having so much fun doing the Q&As. You put out that great essay 
uh, about Little Leia. We've got all of our uh, episodes up to listen uh, on YouTube. So we're kind of making a push to try to have a little bit more presence there. We still want to be uh, broadcasters and mm. uh, record uh, with uh, with our hair not done well in sweatpants. So we're not always going to be on YouTube, but we do want to spend a little bit more time there. And we want to really thank everybody who has watched those Q&As. And it really helps us uh, uh, to get uh, more people uh, liking <laughs> subscribing. Uh, so I just wanted to take this opportunity to encourage people to smash that subscribe button and really feel like a true uh, content creator by saying <laughs> yes. smash that subscriber button. Hit that bell, kids. Hit that bell. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. And for myself, you can follow me on all the social media. Twitter, Instagram, TikTok is at Joseph Scrimshaw. And check out all of my other comedy adventures on my website, josephscrimshaw.com. In particular, if you'll be at the convention Convergence in Minneapolis, I got a bunch of different shows and panels, uh, some Star Wars ones, but in particular, a new stand-up show I'm doing Friday night at the convention. So check that out. Full information on my website. But for now, for myself, for Ken, for that action play set of Leia's Echo Base quarters this has been cues of the force Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.